And uh, next week, I'm going to be talking um, I'm on some random topics. I'm going to be talking about probably uh, drugs and um, maybe suicide and uh, just things that topics that are on people's hearts. So it will be a topical, not through a book like I often do. Um, it'll be uh, through um, some uh, various topics. So I'm going to get right into this and ask the Lord to um, uh, make me an instrument for his word and uh, that we'd have ears to hear and eyes to see. Father, I thank you for um, our, co- our concept, Lord. And Lord, there's nothing tough about it, um, like women in ministry being a tough topic. It's a tough topic because it's controversial. Or there's people that have certain views on one side and certain views on a different side, and some people don't really know what the issues are. Um, I pray that you'd help me be a good steward of the Word of God, Lord. I don't want to follow the culture, but I don't want to ignore it either. And um, Lord, I don't want to go by just the things you're doing, but I don't want to ignore what you're doing, Lord, with women. And Lord, um, but I want to recognize your word and how significant um, this topic is, Lord, how important it is uh, that we get it right, Lord. So I just pray, Lord, that um, you would just anoint us right now from your word. Let it come to life. Let us see the text. Let's see the heartbeat um, within this culture, um, what things are like, and Lord, what you want to do in Jesus' name. Do I hear amen? Amen. So let me get right to it in a little bit of a, a little bit of introduction here. Um, you know, there there are some churches that believe um, based on a few uh, scriptures, which we're going to parse uh, today, um, that that women, uh, while can teach other women, but it's very important that they don't talk to men. Um, I'm going to look at those scriptures, or that they are able to speak or teach to men in a public setting. I don't believe that those churches that hold that are trying to be vindictive toward women. I don't know what the cultural background is. Um, some, some, I think, um, you know, might in sincerity think that's how the scriptures, uh, going with the King James Version, um, saying this is how it says, I don't suffer a woman to t- preach. What does suffer mean? What does the teaching mean? Is the word gene uh, related to a wife, related to her husband? Are these basically just social things? How a wife and husband should interact in a public place? Don't be talking, or is it public speaking? What, what, what is the context of the writing? And um, I, I take the view that I believe that the scriptures say that women can teach and preach. And that God put his powerful, mighty spirit in women, and he wants mighty women in the land. I believe that. Um, I do believe that God addresses, and I'm not going to ignore the ones, of how husbands and wives should interact. It's not the way that you might think it is. I don't know what your background is, so I don't want to presume. Um, But I I want to define the topics and look at the words. The context and word usage is really important. You can go on the internet and type men, women, issues, and you'll get an array of things. And I don't want to um, dissuade you from your own biblical search. I am a pastor who believes the Bible, so I believe the Bible's word of God. And I believe all the scriptures. There's no scriptures that I have to take my black highlighter and highlight it. Uh, Get the joke. And... And um, because I, I believe all the scriptures has a context for it. And God does, just like when we work in business, you know that sometimes we have a project leader and project team members. 
You know, sometimes, you know, in a business, you have someone who's an office manager and a director or a marketing director and his subordinates that there are operational things that sometimes need order for the process or the situation um, um, to be cohesive. That's different in different cultures, but it's God has an order of things um, and the way that he um, sees things. And I want to analyze as many as I can. I can't cover everything. This isn't a year course on women in ministry, but I tried to tackle some of the tougher topics so that you can understand um, some of the words. Um, some of the words, um, the, while we have the bulk of the scriptures that go to men and women, preach the word in and out of season, be strong and mighty in the Lord. How many agree that those go to men and women? Okay, then you have a few scriptures that are talked about where they use the word gene, which is wife or woman. And you have aner, which is either man or husband or reverse, depending on the context. And those are, and then you have the concept of consistency. So if you translate it with the certain verbiage and the way that the Greek um, uh, structure is in place, then you should do it consistently. And I'm going to point out that I believe that some of the translations there that it does it consistently, and some I believe it doesn't do it as consistently. It doesn't lose its meaning. It's not like I, I look at the word subjugation that the King James uses, and I, I use the word to place under, um, which I see in some of the newer translations. Well, which one do I trust? And going back to the Hebrew and the Greek is the way to look, not comparing it from culture to culture. You know, in the in the Scriptures in the, uh, in the King James, it says the man will rule his, hus- rule his household. But yet in the NIV, it says, and anyone who manages his household, as he's given a clarity, uses different verbiage. Is one just trying to soften itself for the culture? Or is one, you know, trying to soften it because it's trying to make it more relevant and it's backing off from the Scripture? And I don't think so. Um, the, the word man in that particular Scripture, as an example, doesn't say man. It says Anyone. But if you're in a King James Elizabethan English and you're thinking about your house, you're going to write man. Anyone, the man, it's the context. You're trying to take a, a dynamic or static Greek um, you know, um, structure from the apparatus, from the Greek apparatus, those who know, understand this length, the terminology, and put it in there. You might say anyone who does this or the man who does this or the person who does this. You can translate those in the right one, and anyone is a better translation. Anyone who, and you can say manage, but you could say rule, govern. But the context there, and if you look at the Strong's, anyone who manages his household or their household. And when you go into the Greek and you start to mouse over it in our modern technology and you mouse over the word man in the King James Version and you wait for the Greek to pop up, it never does. Because it's, it's put in there, not like a bad translation, it's put in there as a way to make the dynamics of the sentence structure work correctly for Elizabethan English four or five hundred years ago. How many know we don't speak that language anymore? When I hear the word subjugate, I think of a wicked king in the princess bride (laughs) and poor buttercup and she is subject to Prince Humperdinck. You know what I mean? I will. He's my subjugate. But when you see it in the Hebrew translation from the Greek Septuagint that the very original word of submission it translates Hupotasso or hupotoxio or one of the three derivatives of the different tenses 
to, to place yourself under, to set under. And think about this. God, whether he was speaking to the Old Testament Hebrews, where he had real control of the culture because they were a nomadic tribe on their own, versus speaking to the New Testament church living within a former Greek culture, some a Greek culture, and a Roman culture, which basically in flat-out ways looked at women as property in a lot of different ways. Not a high, lofty place. In fact, you know, the ironic thing is I went to websites, just general secular, when I say secular, not Christian-based websites, and I, I said, women leaders of history. And, and they, they tried to go back as far as they went, and I was following their timelines, one after the other. And they named, um, you know, we think this queen in Egypt, um, you know, 3,000 years ago had some ruling power, but it was just for women. And then they jump, they try to find something in between, they can't find anything, they, so they jump to 1870, and they say, this woman, she conquered some medicine thing, and then women started voting in the 1920s, and I say, you are missing the Bible. <laughs> the Bible has got kings and leaders, uh, leaders of kings and, and armies in the, in the Old Testament, Hilda and Athalia and um, uh, Miriam and Deborah, that are leaders, prophets, and advisors, it says literally that Deborah was the leading Israel at the time. Now, to me, that rocks, doesn't it? Now, now you're talking 4,000 years ago, 3,500 years ago, 3,000 years ago, 2,500 years ago, a whole history. And then you got Jesus Christ, the Son of God incarnate, coming to a male dominant culture where the Jews themselves in their tradition and hypocrisy wouldn't even speak to a woman. And Jesus just goes, I'm not bound by your tradition. I'm going to talk to her right now. And I love it. And people love it. You know, the, the ones that are, you know, want to find this sometimes, and I don't mean intentionally, it's like the disciples were 12 men. Jesus called the 12 men and he, he told them, follow me. And they did as they were commanded and became disciples. Well, guess what? There were women disciples too. They weren't the official 12, but you know what? They didn't get the ministry from Jesus. They did. They get deliverance. But they were the ones who ministered to Jesus. They're the ones who cared for him, supported him, and provided for him. Right? They are the ones that when, when the resurrection came, the men were going, I don't believe it. I don't think it's going to come. It's like the men I know. I don't know if God's going to take care of my job. I don't know if he's get there. And I talk to a woman and I go, God's going to come through. They look at me and they go, praise God. Can everyone just say praise God? Yeah. Listen, and I'm not trying to be little men and, you know, try to lift up women. I just want to say that the, the lion's share, when you look at the scriptures and all these things about wisdom and the Old Testament and the Proverbs and the Psalms, are those just written for men? You know, be the leader, rise up, you know, get to be filled with God's power, you know, speak the word, instructions, gift of teaching. Are those just for men? And are we going to take a few of the scriptures that are in dialogue talking about conduct and make those public speaking type of issues? That's the question you have to draw yourself. This is a, a, a scriptural thing that I personally, coming to God, living in my own culture, wrestled with and spent many, many years studying. I will present to you the side, which I think is most of the known Christian world, that believes that women can be powerful and mighty in the Lord, not just among women, but amongst everyone. In fact, when you're a mom and you're raising kids and those boys that you're teaching, like Lois, 
the grandma and Eunice, the mother of Timothy, the mighty pastor in Ephesus in the scripture, that you, mom, as you're raising your boy, when he turns 18, he doesn't have to look at you and go, I don't have to listen to you. You were deceived like Eve. That you, that, and that's a real scripture. That's a real scripture. It's a warning of women, don't be cocky. Don't, don't understand that you're just not in a culture by yourself. And we are not just women. We are in a culture of independence. I'm on my own. Well, guess what? Turn to somebody and say, I need you. Because we do need each other. There's a real truth to it. So, since I took my whole introduction, I'm just going to close now. <laughs> okay. Let, let me cover a few things I'm going to cover. I'm going to talk about the image, what I talked last week. I'm going to talk about the pattern, a little bit of the pattern of, of uh, women in ministry. Now, if you've studied this, you know that this is almost an endless cycle. You, can, you could do a whole year course just on women in ministry and what they've done. So I, I condensed, and some I've summarized, some I'll cover in detail. And then I want to talk about the New Covenant proclamation of equality. And it doesn't mean that just because you have a proclamation of equality, it means that God can't have standards of conduct in a relationship, because he does. And then four, I want to talk about the submit unto the Lord passages. And I want you to think about this just for a minute before I get to it. The Bible is full of the word of submission. And, and, and again, to place oneself under. Sometimes just translated under. It comes from Psalm 6, 8. It's where the original Hebrew is translated to the Greek, confirmed in the Septuagint. And then later translated a little harsher in the King James. If you get the submission of the Lord, think about the cultures that God was talking to through the centuries. The Phoenicians, the Babylonians, the Philistines, the Edomites, the Ephraimites, all the different groups that you had of barbarians, etc. through history. Uh, not th There was the African type of slavery where people were taken out of their land and put into slavery as uh, objects. And then there was indentured slavery where you had people who just couldn't make ends meet. And they would go to a wealthy landowner and say, I put myself in slavery, but take care of my family. Like an like a, like a, a indentured, unauthorized slavery. It's like, I want this, I prefer this because I can't fend for myself. God comes into that culture and he doesn't immediately, Jesus doesn't come and say, okay, slaves, run for it. But he says, if you can get your freedom, get it. He tells the owners, he said, treat that slave as your very brother, not a slave. Cheat him. If you still have to take care of him financially, do it. But God talks, and then he tells a slave, if you're not in that situation and your master isn't responsive, doesn't know me, submit unto them as you do unto the Lord. That'll keep you safe. Because every one of us are in places where we're under other people. We're under the government. If you're at the work, you're under the boss. Well, you can either try to sidetrack your boss or you can just go, Lord, I'm going to trust my boss unto you. Can everyone say unto you? Unto the Lord. This is the Lord's place. That's why he uses the word, a hupotasso. You know, by means of placement, to place yourself, to set yourself, King James, subjugate. Okay? In submission. New King James, in obedience. But it's to set yourself under. That's where it is. Wherever you are, what place you set yourself in, place yourself under that place and then make it under God. Do I hear an amen? amen. Okay, so we need to define some terminology. First of all, the words don't mean in the Bible what you think they mean. Okay, when you hear authority in our world, 
It's like, you're the boss of me or am I the boss of you? The authority, Paul says, that he gets and what Jesus says is for building you up. He receives authority from the Father to lay his life down for you. That is the authority to make salvation possible for you. That's the authority when we're talking about authority. We're not talking about who's the greatest. That's in Matthew 20, 26 here, where the disciples going, who's greater? Is it me? Is it James? Is it John? You know, is it the, the mom comes in. She goes, well, who's going to rule? One on the right, one on the left? Come on, these are your key people, Jesus. And he's like, listen, if you want to be the great one, then you got to be the servant. Men, you want to be the great leader in your house? Be the servant. Amen? Because you're going to see this as we get to Ephesians. Whoever wants to be first, they'll be last. Whoever wants their life, they got to lose it. You know? You want your personal ambition, build others up. There, there's a contradiction there. It's not saying you can't have a life, but the life can't be the ambition you pursue. It's the life you die to to find what God has for you. And it's just a way, a part of it. And Jesus sets the example and blows them away by washing their feet. It's like, they're like, no, 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 don't do it. And he goes, hey, if I don't do it, then, you don't, then you're not going to be in a relationship with me because this is what it's like. This is the example that he's going to give husbands. This is how you treat your wives with the leader. No, master, no servant is ever going to be bigger than a master. You're not going to be greater than Jesus. He sets the example. The example is, no servant is greater than master. Let me wash your feet. I've set you an example this is how you love each other. You serve one another. In Jesus' name. How many are already feeling convicted? Because I am even talking about it. I was talking about it and I had things that flashed in my mind. I went, oh, I got to grow in that. Actually, that's not true. I've got everything down. That's why I'm the pastor. <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. Authority, leadership, submission, all those things. Okay, now, are the Bible passages for everyone? I, wanna, I, just, I want you to think about this. When we look at these three or four scriptures, okay, of husband-wife relationship, I want to I ask you, are these scriptures that are the rest of the bulk of these, tons of them on submission, submit one to another, and be the leader, and all these different things, are they for everyone? So 2 Timothy 4.2, he's talking to Timothy, who was raised by his mom and his grandma. And, and they ingratiated the word into his life, made him deep in the faith, you know, prophesied and called upon him his giftings and callings. And Paul trusted it. So he says here, preach the word, be prepared in season, out of season. I've just given one example. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. Now, this letter is written to Timothy, yes? So is this letter just for him? Like, is it just for Timothy? Like, I'm a pastor too, in the same light as Timothy, actually. But like Ephesus, that's what a local church pastor is like, like this letter to Timothy. So I could say, well, I can assume it too. Because I'm, but when you guys read it, women, I want you just to skip this part of the book. Don't even read 1 Timothy, unless you want to find out what's going on in my life. <laughs> or this scripture is for everyone. How many say everyone? Everyone. everyone. So it's not just for Timothy. It's not just for pastors. Is it just for men? I mean, women, because now you see those things, you just got to skip over all the scriptures and go, what Proverbs do you read? Well, I can't read that one. I just read Proverbs 31. That's it. You know what I mean? Because, you know, the son's got to get got delighted, you know. And, and, and a lot of time you see the word hurio. It's translated son in King James, New King James. But the word is child. Yeah. And, and it's, not, it's not because they're purposely trying. It's just even in those days, the son of somebody 
you knew it meant both. Okay, so it's really important that these Bible passages, when I'm talking about a few of these Bible passages, remember that this New Testament of power and outpouring of the, of the Spirit of God that falls upon the life of the church and the early church, 120, whatever amount of people it was, of men and women. They were filled with the power of God and began to prophesy and evangelism spread out all around the world. Dorcas, Priscilla, Aquila, you can go on, Portia, early martyrs throughout history, not just in the New Testament, but through the church historical record of incredible things that have happened. Did those really happen? And let's get right to it here. Number one, the image. God created, can everyone say mankind? Mankind, that's a translation pretty common. God created mankind. It's the word Adam, Adam. God created Adam, the mankind, the man, a man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. I quoted this last, last week. He created them, plural, them. Male and female, he created them. So that's, that's where we are. We start with the image. Let's look at the pattern now and then go, go on to, let's look at some of the starts here. Let's start with the first woman. Adam named his wife Eve. So now you have the Adam, male and female, Isha, in the the Hebrew, now become male and they become female. And one, you know, the man is made out of the dirt and the dust of the ground, you know, from the the Roomba vacuum cleaner was opened up and it was taken out and man was made out of that dust, right? And then God took part of the man and made woman to say that there was something that brought them together. Okay, that they were together, but that they're, they're separated. Okay, and he named his wife Eve, and she would become the mother of all leaving. So the first step that God takes, I mean, men, you, you have the seed within you. I'm not looking for a chair. <laughs> you have the seed within you, but it doesn't do anything without the woman. There is no life. There, there is no propagation of living things. Okay. And contrary to the evolutionary story, it doesn't matter if that seed is dropped in a bucket of water. It won't do anything there. Do you know that? Okay? I'm not trying to be harsh. I'm just trying to be realistic. The mother of all living means that there is something in there that that genetically combines itself, that generates life, and all that life came from the woman. Do I hear an amen? And that's why he says, Adam named his wife Eve. She becomes the mother of all living. Now, I'm not going to give you every example of every woman. I'm just going to jump through a few, and I'll go with Deborah. Old Testament. Now, God anointed and empowered Israelite women to lead and rule every person. Now, listen to Deborah. Deborah, a prophet, the wife of Bob. I'm sorry. Lapideth. He, she was leading Israel at that time, she held court under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the, in the hill country of Ephraim. These are key Israelite promises and territory, and she is the leader of Israel, the nation. Now, this is God unencumbered by Greek and Roman. Israelites went to her to have their disputes decided. I wonder if she was smart enough. You know? Because we're going to take that one rebuke that woman was deceived first. And I know it's there. I'm going to read it. But we're going to overcome everything that women are by that text where God is truly rebuking women. I hate to tell you this, but men are rebuked for deception and deceiving all through the Bible. All through the text. And I'm not trying to push down men. I'm talking about this issue. 
because it's very important. Now, if you look, I put up there, she's equivalent to a Supreme Court justice and a king and a priest and a leader at the same time. She's this prophet who speaks God's ways, his doctrines, and his will. And she's the one who determines, based on the interpretation of law and legal requirements, what's right. And all the Israelites went to her, and she led Israel. And God wrote about it. Like Ophelia ruled the land for like five, six years. Okay? Now, these are women of God. And if you're a woman and you're going, I wonder if the Bible likes women. I just gave you two leaders that are way before the modern Hillary Clintons or the other people that you know of, right? Which are, you know, strong leaders, women leaders of today and, you know, different political parties. And I don't care about any of that. How many say amen? amen? Did you know that, you know, even Hulda, you know, before they went to war, they would go to her and they'd find out what should we do? Where should she go? She was a prophet. She was a prophetess from God, speaking where God was going and how the, she, she was like a, a, a mover and shaker, it, different kings and priests, a whole gathering of men like a council. It'd be like, you know, the, the, the joint chiefs of staff coming to her and going, what do we do? And she goes, well, let me tell you what to do. And I could just see sometimes in our modern church, and I know they don't mean it, but I think they would just shut her out. You know, they would just shut her out. She wouldn't have a place in the same way. I, I think it's sad. New Testament, woman of God. I gave the example of following Jesus. I don't want to read this too many, but there are tons of examples all the way through the New Testament, all the way through the Gospels of women coming through. Women that are coming with um, some from prostitution. So it doesn't matter. You don't have to have a Harvard degree to have God on your side and make you a mighty leader. Mary Magdalene is the one who witnesses, the first one to witness besides the angel, to witness the resurrection. And believed it immediately and became the conduit of everyone else believing, especially the men who were doubting. Okay? I don't think that's an accident. And I think it's on par. You don't just say one's more important than the other. Well, the disciples. The disciples were scared and lost. And Jesus made all kinds of comments. You're scared. You're scattered. You're, you don't need to do stuff. But the women, he goes, well, they'll tell the truth. Get them around. And that's exactly what he did. They cared for his needs. They followed him. They took care of the disciples themselves. They supported um, here's another one. How many, so many of you guys know Apollos? Um, some, some believe that he, that he wrote the book of Hebrews. Um, a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was a learned man. And if it's true that he did read Hebrews, if you've read it, you know that he had a thorough knowledge of the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord. He spoke with great fervor and taught about Jesus accurately, though he only knew about the baptism of John. Think about it. He, he knew that John was baptized, but he didn't understand any of the, uh, the sanct ideas of sanctification, the baptism of the power of the Spirit falling upon the early church. He had no understanding of that at all. And it says, but he spoke boldly in the synagogue. So he's in the synagogue holding, and it says, Priscilla and Aquila heard him. And it says, they go, hey, come to our house. And you know that the early church, much of the early church was housed by women. Just a fact. They explained to him, literally, an instruction, the way of him more adequately, so he learned. Of course, he could have said, you're a woman, I can't learn from you. Because I always wonder, even in our modern churches today, that say a woman can't teach a man, it's impossible. Well, they, what do you do with authors? I mean, should we put special you know, little tags on there? Um, males, please be careful. A woman wrote this book. This may be harmful to your doctrine. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? 
Because I'll tell you what our authority is. It's not man and it's not female. It's the Bible. It's the word of God and its content, which is. The, which is. So, and again, here's the example. How from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. This is a young man already, not just a, a kid, a teenager, becoming a young man, probably in his 20s, now getting mentored. And Paul's coming in. He goes, you're ready for ministry. I, I know this. And he goes, it's because your, your grandma and your mom, they raised you right from the scriptures. Women, if you are a mom, and there's a lot of noble things, not just momhood, but if you are a mom, I want to talk to you. You're the one re- raising the next generation. Our next generation looks like what you're raising. That's what it is. What you're raising is what our culture will be like. You know? And, 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 you know, I, we, we, did, we did some homeschooling in our, in our house. And one of the things Jody would ask me, she goes, she's like, what do you think is important? Like, what kind of science? What kind of math? And I said, there's only one thing that matters to me. That my kids know God, that they, they love God, they want to honor him, and that they know how to learn. I don't know if you've heard, but there's this thing called Google. <laughs> and it turns out you can learn almost anything on it. Anything. Too much. But there's nothing you can't learn. If you go, I don't know how many books, I can't learn. You can, I, I'm telling you, whether it's chemistry, whether it's physics, you go to iTunes libraries, from, uh, Apple products, Microsoft products, and learn and learn and learn. I wonder how much Adam learned in the first 900 years. I think he learned a lot. He didn't have Google, though. He had to, he had to dig it up himself. <laughs> All right. Listen. Uh, there's the how from infancy, the Holy Scriptures. And then here's a couple scriptures here from the New Testament. I won't spend a whole lot of time on this. I, I have to summarize because of my time frame here. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a deacon of the church in Centuria, and the elder to the lady chosen by God and to her children whom I love in the truth. Um, I, I do believe that is a personal letter, Second John 1, and I can confirm it in other ways, but I'm not going to spend too much time. The deacon of the church, the Bible said, if someone wants to be a deacon, that the, you know, and a deacon, we don't use official deacon badges, like, you know, you know John the deacon, but because it's, it's the servant of the church. And, and some people do use official titles. I don't slide in for that. I, I don't think it's necessary in our culture. But he would say, if let somebody serve and see their faithfulness. So if you say, hey, I'm going to work in kids ministry and you start working faithfully with the kids and you're faithful, if you're the person who every other week can't, doesn't show up and doesn't, you, know, you, don't, you're, you don't keep your word, you commit to it but don't or you're going to usher or you're going to do a home group leader but you don't serve the people you have or you're teaching but you don't prepare your lesson or you're visiting hospitals but you don't show up, whatever it is, the Bible says let that person serve faithfully for a while and then let them become more official a deacon. And a deacon then can become an elder. You know, let them first serve here and then an elder. So God has this thing of faithfulness. Here you have women as deacons, as elders, as servants, as teachers, as instructors. Not the same context as exactly we do everything in the United States here, but the same one. So let me give you a summary here. Just, I just took, out of 100, I just picked a few that I thought names you'd recognize. To originate the human race, Eve. To lead the nation of Israel, Deborah. And I gave you a bunch of others that did the same. To rescue nations and take down kings, um, Esther. And I also mentioned Miriam, who was a leader to other women. And then to model the essence of God's loyalty, Ruth. Big picture of God's loyalty. To birth the Messiah into the world, Mary. Right? To follow Christ as his disciples, multiple. To minister to Jesus as an empowerment, more. 
to witness the resurrection before the disciples, a few. To clarify proper doctrine and theology, I gave you one example of Priscilla, and there are many others. To lead the church as deacons and elders, I gave you the example of Phoebe. How many think it's good to be a woman of God? Come on. Women, let me hear an amen. Amen. Now, the new covenant proclamation of equality goes like this. And this isn't discounting the other scriptures that talk about relationships within the life of the church. Husband and wife, male and female. Those are still stand. We don't ignore them. But it says here, he's given an overall picture. He's for as many as you were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. You know, there's a picture in the book of Hebrews where Christ enters into the holy place, not of the real physical temple, not part of creation. He enters the real cross or barrier of our sin between us and God. He crosses that barrier through his sacrifice and through entering into that throne room and makes a new covenant that keeps us in handshake with the Son and the Father, which is rock solid. The Son represents us and the Father represents God. And because of that, we have a covenant, a new covenant, where we can be saved and rescued by what Christ did, not by what we did. In that new thing, we become a new creation. The Bible says we put our faith in him. The spirit of God now comes upon us. And this is what we get. He says, many of you were baptized. He's not talking about a water baptism. He's talking about an immersion, an immersion with who Jesus is. Have put on Christ. And this is what he says. There is neither. Jew nor Greek. Yeah, but we're the Jews and they're just the Gentiles. No, there's no Jew or Greek anymore. Can I hear? There's neither slave nor free. It doesn't matter. Oh, I own the company. I just work at the bottom of the company. It doesn't matter. In Christ, both have the Spirit of God. And in Acts 2, 42, you see the Spirit of God poured out and it says the women will, the daughters will prophesy. The young men, the old men, the, the worker, the slave, it won't matter because God will be in all of them. And he says, can everyone say there's no male and female? For you are all one in Christ Jesus. There is a unity of us coming together, the camaraderie, the team, and there's the uniqueness that there's not the distinction. When God poured out his spirit, he says, okay, I want you to pull out some of my male Holy Spirit on Eric, but then put my weaker female spirit in Jody. (laughs) Well, that's obvious. How many know that's not true? That same Holy Spirit of God goes into the female too. I, I don't know about you, but to me this is exciting. And God, let's let's talk a little bit about relationships. Let's get, let's hit the let's hit the the, the the scriptures that detract. Now remember, I've already said that there are thousands of scriptures that are, talk to men and women of leadership and all kinds of things through history. Let's look at the ones that are the controversial ones. First one is is this submit unto the Lord passages. Speak to one another with psalms hymns and spiritual songs. I will talk about that word laleo. It's the word speak. It's also talking. It's voice utterance. It's conversing is the meaning. It's not always public speaking. It's talking. Talk to each other with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. It can't be that meaning and all of a sudden public speaking in the rebuke against women. Sing and make music in your heart. Can everyone say to the Lord? This is his word. All these things are to the Lord. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. Can everyone say, in the name? In in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. To the Lord. Unto the Lord. In the name of. And it says, submit to one another. Can everyone say, out of reverence? Out of reverence for Christ. Right? 
Jody doesn't have a submission and me a love submission relationship with one another based on our just our reverence for each other, but it comes from our reverence for Christ. Amen? Now, submit to one another. So, is this written to just the men or is this to everybody? Everybody. Submit to each other. That's where it starts. That's the, that's the, the verse that goes before the distinction. Now it goes into, and it gives two big pictures. One, he's going to go, wives, I want you to think of yourself as the church trying to relate to, the, to God and, the, and, the, and, the, and Christ. That's, I want, that's how I want you to relate in your relationship with your husband. Husbands, I want you to act like Christ would act to the church. That's how I want you to act. I don't know about you, but the man one is harder. <laughs> Is it not? I watch how you guys submit to the Lord and you're not that good. (laughs) I no offense. But I watch Christ and his relationship with me as the church where he loves me. He laid his life down for me. He listens to me. He builds me up. He gives me calling. He empowers me for purpose. Well, I just gave you the husband role. How many women say amen? amen. It, it's funny that this is just something overlooked. I'm a literal reader. I listen to that and I'm going, as soon as I read it, I went, I'm in deep trouble, man. I'm in deep trouble. <laughs> listen, and, and he, what he's trying to do is give you a role to, to, to when, he, when you hear that word submit again, hupotasso, it's to set yourself in the place of, set yourself in the right place in here. You're in this relationship. Think about it this way. And here he says, wives submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. Put it this way. There, there's a, he's putting up there, there is a, an order of creation and there's an order of blessing. And he says, now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands and everything. Again, hupotasso, if you look at just submission, then you're just going to be, you know, I'm the doormat. If you look at it from God's perspective, I'm the doormat. The, you know, man is the doormat of Christ. Christ, you know, squashes the man. And then the man squashes the wife. You know? And who's to blame women for thinking that? Because isn't that our culture with authority? But it's the opposite. And how do you know it? Because you know it as it goes to Ephesians 5.25. He says, husbands love your wives. Okay, like how? Just as Christ loved the church. Are you kidding me? And trust me, Jody has quoted this to me. (laughs) In love. When I was trying to tell her that I'm supposed to pick the restaurant we're supposed to eat at. And she says, oh, you're doing that as you love and die for me? And I go, okay, what restaurant would you like? (laughs) Do you want me to go in front of the car and lie down as you go there? Okay, we're going to a salad place. Or sushi. (laughs) And he, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church. In other words, make this thing rock. That means if Jody's thinking in life, how am I going to go forward? She's going to go, who's the one person that's for me? And she's going to go, Eric is. He's the one who believes in me. 
He's the one who cares about me. He's the one who dies to himself for me. And trust me, I'm not the perfect picture, but I'm, I'm a growing picture of this. God's grown me. All right. Summary here. See how the wives summary. See how the church submits to Jesus? Okay. First say, everyone say, submit, submit. One, one to another. That's the first one. Now, in relationship, when you, but when you're dealing with each other and stuff like that, wives, go ahead and keep doing that to your husband. Remember, it's unto the Lord. Like, you see how the church submits to Jesus like that? Tr- trust, trust God when he's doing things. And husbands, you see how Jesus loves and serves and dies for his people? Treat your wife like that. How many think this is a good idea? It's a, it's a good idea. Now, let's take a tougher one here. Here's we got the two words, gune, on there, wife, woman, husband, man. And I'll just read it. Woman, this is, I, I, I picked the King James on purpose. I, I love the King James. It's a great, great translation for the 1600s. Um, <clears throat> women should be silent in the churches. Now, I, I want to take a look at that word silent. Is that the consistent translation in the other places that silent shows up? Because it's, it's using that same, same word. I just want to know if it's consistent. And I'm, I'm going to tell you that it's, that it's not. They are not allowed to speak. Okay, they're not allowed to speak. Or, hey, I don't want you guys talking. Which is it? And they must be subjugated or in submission. Are you talking about they need to place themselves under in the trust in the Lord here unto what the Lord is? Or they can't speak. They can't talk. They need to shut up. Is this the heart? Is this the good laughing back there? You need to shut up in church. That was a woman, wasn't it? You need to shut up in church. All right. Someone get her a head covering hat. You know. And listen, you know, when you look at that head covering, the head covering there in that culture symbolizes, man, I got my trust in the Lord. We don't wear those hats in our culture anymore. We we don't. If you look at all the movies in the 1920s, the 30s, 40s, whenever the early movies, they're all wearing hats. As soon as they walk in, they take their hats off. In our culture, you put your hat on when you're inside. <laughs> Unless you're 60 or 70, and then you still take it off. Listen, the authority is the trust there. It says, so is this talking about women, or is this talking about wives' relationships? What's the context here? Because women don't ask their husbands unless they're wives. And Jack, Pastor Jack Hayford and many other scholars make a strong point in this, in the, in the, on the Greek parsing with the Greek apparatus. If they want to inquire about something, they should ask their own husbands at home, for it's shameful. And there's that word shameful, which is the word that doesn't honor it. it doesn't, when you start talking during church, and I want you to picture the early church. And I realized that's when I went to India, and I was preaching there. And the women were all over here. And then all the men were over here. And the woman was going, what are we going to get for lunch? And he goes, hey, honey, don't be talking during the church. It's distracting. And it dishonors your husband. This is the context. Listen, be silent. Here you have what what many uh, people have pointed out in some of the older translations, English translations, early ones. Great translations. Not, Not picking on King James. But it's just for our, for our time and its accuracy. Make it, here, here is that same word, be silent. Translated, be silent when it comes to women. But, but watch it. Make it your ambition. It shows up two times. Make it your ambition to lead a quiet, peaceful life. 
Women, shut up. Women, can you be quiet and peaceful? How many think there's a difference there? Okay. Um, if there's no one interpreter, same section there in Corinthians, if there's no interpreter, the speaker should, can everyone just say, keep quiet in the church? Don't, listen, if you don't have a word from the Lord, like Corinne came up here and she felt she had a prophecy, and there's prophets, not just Agabus male, there's female prophets there who believe it's not the prophet like we think, I'm the prophet of God, I'm in charge of everything. No, that we have the Spirit of God, we can start to understand what the heartbeat of the Lord is. Sometimes he may give you prophetic words for your kids, what they're going to become and who they are, not to control them, but to encourage them and bring them to a healthy place. I'm almost done here. But, but if the speaker needs to be quiet, he's got nothing to say right now, be quiet. Women, if there's a distraction during this here, as the law requires, just don't be a distraction. Don't be talking here. And the laleo there, it's not just public speaking. The word there is, is literally vocal utterance, babbling, talking, conversing possibly lower down in the strongs to, to make a declaration, to make a proclamation. So you can't just make it just automatically public speaking. Wives must be in submission. Again, I show right underneath it. This is the Hebrew equivalent. It's not a question. It's not, is it, is it, we're trying to make it that. This is the Hebrew equivalent. It translated right there in the Septuagint, the first translation from Greek, from Hebrew to Greek, you have put all things under his feet. Hupotasso or hupotoxio to be set. So not just put it under, but set yourself in that place. You got a boss who's wicked, you set yourself under him, but unto the Lord, because that's your position. It's the same thing with women have to do. For he has put everything under his feet. The same thing, but look at the King James Version. He has put all things in subjection under his feet. Subjugate, I don't know what it was used for in that time period. I'm not a master of 1600 English. During that time, that's a long time ago. It's four or five hundred years ago. But I know that the word subjugate does not mean the same thing to us. Subjugate is a dominant king. I use the princess bride analogy. Here is a translation, more modern translation, um, better set, especially if you see the Greek um, literal. Wives should keep quiet during the church, during the church service. They're not permitted to be talking or not allowed to be talking. Don't, I don't have a, I don't, he has a sign. It's, come on, no talking. But they must be set with respect to the law. Put them in place in respect. If they got questions about something, just wait till you get home. Don't distract it. If you got something to say during the service, he's talking to the congregating congregation, not can women speak. He says, for his dishonoring for a wife to be busy talking during the church. This, this really is a, a, a very literal thing. I'm out of time. How many know I could do a lot more with more time? See, I was hoping you guys would go with this, but I like the church service to be four hours from now on. I'm, I'm, I'm totally kidding. Um, okay. I also want women, here's the other one that's, that's always a difficulty here. Same words, hupotasso, okay, gune. And, and even guni with younger women. And, and he, he says, I also want women to dress modestly with decency and proprietary, adorning themselves, not with elaborate hairstyles or golden pearls or expensive clothes, but with good deeds, appropriate women who profess to worship God. Now, now I'm, I'm going to talk about that one in, in a moment. I've covered that before. But he says, look, the, what he's basically saying there, he's going inward beauty, not outward beauty. 
That's what matters. He's not saying you can't ever wear it, but there are some who take it literally. Man, you can't ever wear gold. I was wearing gold. Striker dead. Cast the stone. You know what I mean? That's not what it is. He's going, man, he goes, women, you do not have to do that. And, and trust me, we have beautiful women in our congregation. I don't mean that from a lustful, sexual way. Because they're beautiful on the inside. They're beautiful on the inside. They, they are a beautiful woman that radiate. They're not just about their life. They're, they, they see you, right? There's, some, there's something about it. And, and it goes with men too. Let the women learn. Now, the, here's again. Again, hupotasso in silence. I've already showed you that it hasn't been consistent. I, I will give it to you. And with all subjection. Again, I go to King James. But I suffer not a woman to teach. Like, do we ever use the word suffer? This is that word that permitting nor to usurp authority, like don't take it over, over the man. Is this woman, man? The, the context here with Adam and Eve, to me, and what Pastor Jack and others prove from the Greek apparatus, is that this is talking about husbands' wives. She must be silent. Here it is again. For Adam was formed for, first and then Eve. But take the, here's the correction, women, and listen. Adam wasn't deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. And I'll, I'll just be honest with you. Women, and trust me, this goes rebukes against men. You don't need to be cocky either. You don't. Be humbled by the Lord. Don't put your hope and your exterior and how good you look and the killer dress and great, buy the killer dress. Don't put yourself over other women. Women are very competitive. Servanthood is the nature of the scripture. Okay? And, you know, I, I joked about this, but, you know, here's how the translation looks. That the women adorn themselves in modest apparel. All women should dress as crummy as possible to verify their holiness. <laughs> Let a woman learn in silence. Women should keep their mouths shut in church. I heard a couple of you laughing. Stop it. And have no input on spiritual matters. What do you know? Really? Is that what we believe? Under subjection. Women should do as subjects as told by kings. I do not promote a teacher of authority over a man. Women are allowed to teach only women. Never a man. You know, if you see a woman, you know, when you get a book and there's an author, you just check. A woman is writing this. Oh. Beth Moore. Listen, I've read Beth Moore's, some of her books. They're good. She's got interesting things on it. You know, there's, there's great encyclopedia material, history of the Bible, written by women. Oh, I have to skip chapter two. That was written by Emily. Oh, Bob. I could read this chapter. Adam was formed first and even. God prefers men more than he does women. That's the thing. Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived, fell into transgression. Do I need to really do a study on deception to tell you that men were deceived all through the scriptures? But women, you were deceived first, and the Bible makes it clear. It does. So he's given you a warning. You were the first to see the resurrection. You're first to be the birth. God uses women for firsts. Make it good stuff, not deception. She will be saved in childbearing. I love this because I think women think that this is, oh, if I have to have kids and that's my life. No, he's trying to talk to women where they are. How many have had kids? How many haven't had kids, but you've raised kids? Friends, neighbors, cousins, whatever. You've been an influencer. Some in work, you've raised people. The, the child rearing thing, he's not saying you're going to be saved if you have kids. He's saying that this is the stuff of your life. You have to live it out. My, my wife, who's a mighty leader, she also raised our kids in a lot of ways. I did too, but she spent a lot more time with them than I was able to. 
And guess what? She, she mentored and coached him. It was a part of her child rearing. That's what her working out of her salvation was the context. That's all that this is talking about. Here's, how, here's what I believe the Greek apparatus reflects in a lot of the later translations. A wife should learn in quiet peace and place herself under and set in her position. I do not permit a wife to teach or take authority over her husband. Now, he's not saying you can't have authority. He's saying you can't teach. He goes, I don't want you just making him look bad. Taking over stuff from him. How many think this is a good advice? Just in relationship. And by, by the way, men, don't blow it with, with your spouse. And I, I'm sorry for going over. She should keep quiet or silent. Adam, the husband, was formed first. Then Eve, his wife. And Adam was not the one seduced into the arrow. That's a literal translation there. It was the woman who was seduced and became the transgressor. Okay, so I'm closing here. I'm sorry I'm late. Tell the children's ministry it will not happen next week. No, I really mean it. This was a tough topic. It was harder. Okay. To originate human race, I gave this whole list. Let me, why don't you have the women, why don't you close your eyes just for a moment and respond. I, I want to speak to the women, and if you need to go get your kids, I totally will let you do that and feel free, and I'm sorry. Ladies, I, I, want, you to, to, I want you to, first of all, as I give you a kind of way to respond. Do you want to receive the power of God that is the, the same spirit that God put into men, put into you? And do you want to answer the calling that God has given you? It doesn't have to be a king over a nation. Or a governor. It doesn't have to be a carefully you know, placed loyal servant like Ruth or Esther. But do you want to be the woman that God has called you to be? To walk in power. If that's you, I want women all over this thing just to answer the call of God to say, Lord, I want to be a woman of power. If that's you, just stand up. With, I'm standing up because I'm standing up and I'm not standing up with you. But just stand up. And men, I, I would like you just to extend a hand that says, I believe that God's in them. It's a, it's a hand that just to reach out. It's a hand of faith that says, I'm going to die to my own dream right now, man. Because just as Jesus emptied himself of himself and became, took on the nature of a servant, that's your role. And now you die to your wife. Now you die to your sister. And we say, Lord, I quote Ephesians 6. And I say, ladies, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God and take your stand against the world's principles, the patterns of the world, the, the, the devil's schemes. Your struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's not the people, but it's against the rulers. It's against the authorities, against the powers of the dark world against the spiritual forces of evil. The God who calls you, let him move you forward.